going to venture and say that all of us have a father, um, and so we've, we've, we all come from a father, so we have the concept of a father. We understand even if we had a, a father that wasn't such a great father, we know what a father is. And so when we talk about God the Father, many people know what a father is. And we have a historical Jesus. Jesus became flesh. He was the son who became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And because of that, we also have a pretty clear concept of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, who uh, became flesh. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it becomes a little bit more difficult for us to actually get a handle on how we are to think about Him or relate to Him, because we don't have this concept, this clear idea of a spirit. We know that we have a spirit. We know that within us is a spirit, but we don't quite know what it looks like. Or, you know, or how we would relate on a spiritual level. And so the concept of the Holy Spirit becomes a little bit confusing to people um, as they struggle to imagine Him. And as people, we tend to fear what we don't understand. We tend to fear what we don't understand. I remember being a kid and getting a burger once at a restaurant, and uh, there was something on the beef patty, and I didn't know what it was, and so I didn't want to eat it because I, I feared what I didn't understand. I was like, what is this stuff on my burger? Until, and I was moaning and complaining. I remember my dad getting up. We were on holiday in, out in Durban, and he came over to me, and he opened up the burger, and he says, you see this yellow stuff? It's cheese. It tastes good. You like cheese. And so I was like, oh, it's cheese. And then I ate the burger. It was delicious. So, so we tend to avoid things that we don't understand, that we can't define. And, uh, and this is one of those topics when we talk about the Holy Spirit that requires us to push beyond our comfort zones. And as a result, we often underrate or undervalue the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. We undervalue, we tend to forget and undervalue the power and the person of the Holy Spirit and, and focus on the other parts of God that we feel that we can define a little bit more clearly. Um, and, and, and so, uh, especially in our, in our westernized society, when we start to talk about, about things like speaking in tongues or miracles or the power of the Holy Spirit or God doing certain supernatural things, immediately people begin to uh, feel uncomfortable because it pushes beyond the natural. And they want to rather avoid those topics because we've left no room in our hearts or in our minds for the supernatural. We've left no room for God who is a God who is above the natural, who goes beyond the physical. So when we, when we hear people starting to speak about supernatural events in church or supernatural events in the Bible or supernatural events in our faith and in our journey, they want to avoid the topic altogether. Some churches would never speak on the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember being um, in high school, and I really believed in God and in His ability to, to move in our hearts and in our lives through His Spirit. And I remember um, witnessing to my friends at school, um, I did this all of the time. I, was, uh, you know, I would take every opportunity to, to share with my friends, and I had a, a, a small group, a connect group that I used to lead on Wednesday nights at my own home. And so I would talk to them about Jesus and then invite them in the week to come and join this group. And one of my friends, um, who's a good friend of mine still, Matthew Proctor, um, he grew up in a traditional church where they heard very little about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you grew up in, in one of those churches that's more about the tradition than it is about the current presence of God at work in our lives. So we know that God did some things, and we know that as a community we've developed standards and traditions around those things. But what Jesus says is often by doing that, you've made the command of God to no effect. 
God can no longer uh, do what he wants to do in your life because you've made it all about human precepts and traditions, and so you have no faith in something greater than, than that. And I remember sitting with him in history, which was my favorite, uh, my favorite subject at school, and so that I, you know, I got good marks in it as a result, and so the teacher kind of let me do my own thing sometimes, and I used to carry around one of those little Bibles in my blazer pocket, those little Gideon Bibles, um, bless those guys that came around, and, and so like I got one of those Bibles in my pocket, and I remember getting into history class, and the teacher would be like, take out your books, we're going to you know, talk about, you know, um, I don't know, the, the Industrial Revolution, whatever, I was like, it's okay, I'm going to talk about a different kind of revolution, and so they would carry on, and I would take out my Bible, this little Bible, and I'd sit next to my friend Matthew Proctor, and we'd open it up, and, um, and I'd start to show him in Acts 1, I started in Acts 1, here Jesus promises about the Holy Spirit, and here the Holy Spirit is poured out, and here the, everybody starts speaking in tongues, and here God does miracles, and this is through ordinary church people, not just through the apostles, here we go further on, and we see uh, God working, um, you know, in, in, in Acts 8 and 9, and how His Holy Spirit is poured out on the, uh, the Samaritans in Samaria, and and, uh, and how Philip is used, and different people are used, and I'm saying, this is all about the Holy Spirit, and, and he actually turned to me at one point, and he said, I, I wonder if my church reads the same Bible, because like I, I, I've never heard about this. I've never heard about the Holy Spirit and His power, because it is something that we struggle to define in our, in our rationale as people. We tend to avoid the subject, especially in our westernized society. But I believe that this is grossly disingenuous. This is grossly disingenuous for us to not believe in the supernatural. Um, the other day, I watched the new Spider-Man. I don't know how many of you have seen the new Spider-Man that's just come out, the homecoming one. In my opinion, it's the best one that they've ever made. Um, I, it's just like I put everything about Spider-Man into context. I never really got Spider-Man in the past. Now I feel like I have a connection with him. Um, and so I was watching Spider-Man, and I watched the movie, and at one point, Spider-Man is on, a, like, on the outside of the Avengers airplane that's traveling to their new headquarters, and he's on the outside of it, and there's uh, a guy who's inside stealing the weapons, and so he is trying to uh, you know, catch this guy, and then he, he you know, kicks his, his, he had these wings on him, and he kicks the wings off, and then they have this fight on top of a plane on top of an airplane, and at one point, he goes through one of the airplane's engines, and then the, the plane obviously crashes, and so he crashes with the airplane, and then there's a fight that ensues on the ground because they both miraculously survive an airplane crash, and uh, then there's a fight that happens on the ground, and at one point, uh, even though he's the bad guy, Spider-Man is going to save his life, and he jumps through some fire in order to save this guy, and I'm watching this whole thing, and I'm like, I know he's Spider-Man, and I know he has superpowers and all that kind of stuff, but technically he's still a spider, and I've killed enough of them to know that they would definitely die in a plane crash or in a felt fire, right? So I'm like, unrealistic. This is so unrealistic. I'm like, I don't even know if I can enjoy this movie anymore, because how could anybody survive a plane crash like that or jump through fire? It's unrealistic. And again, then I remember that I'm watching a movie about a guy who got bitten by a radioactive spider and then developed supernatural or superpowers, um, you know, spider-esque superpowers that enables him to shoot webs from his palms and do all kinds of amazing things. So, so I remember that the entire premise is, is um, unrealistic in a sense. The entire premise. So why am I so worried about him jumping through some fire or surviving a plane crash? And, uh, and in the same way as, as these kinds of movies, 
uh, people do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. They say, well, you know, God could definitely not defy or suspend our natural laws or the natural order of things. We cannot fathom that God would reverse, for example, the diagnosis of a terminal illness. How could God do something like that? How could he reverse the natural order? Or how could God raise somebody from the dead? We read in scriptures about how people were raised from the dead, both by Jesus and by the church, subsequent to the ascension of Jesus. And we go, how could that be possible? They must have been exaggerating because God couldn't raise, just raise somebody from the dead. Or, or we hear things like this happening, um, supernatural things, and we're quick to play the rationalism card, saying that that can't happen, that's all hype, that's not genuine. Even if we hear about miracles today, we all have our doubts about those miracles. Are they authentic? Are they real? But there's one problem with that notion. There's one problem with the notion that God cannot do something supernatural, and that is that we exist because he did something supernatural. All of creation is here today because a supernatural God spoke it into being through a creative miracle coming from his own sovereign power and creative ability to cause things to exist that did not previously exist. So when we say that miracles can't happen, what are we saying about the fact that we're here? Something is here that wasn't here before. And something cannot come out of nothing. So there must have been a supernatural act above a natural act to set all things into motion. We exist because of the supernatural, because of the supernatural God who spoke us into being by the word of his power. So when people say, well, that's unrealistic, it's unrealistic that it could have happened that way. What's unrealistic is the thought that everything can exist without somebody having put it into motion, that something could just come out of nothing. Spontaneous generation is what people have to turn to if they don't believe in a supernatural act of God. They have to believe then in spontaneous generation, that it just spontaneously came out of nowhere, that nothing formed something. It's been disproven even scientifically through Louis Pasteur and, and other scientists who've looked into this issue, and they've seen that something cannot possibly come out of nothing. So the question is, where did everything come from? More recently, people have said, well, everything had to evolve. Everything had to come about through evolution on this planet, and everything that was here only came about through that process. And so we work all the way back, and we said, well, well where did the first life come from? And then say, well, well, maybe it was seeded here. This is an actual notion in science right now, a theory that they're, that they're trying to explore, is that the first life here on earth did come from intelligent life, but not from a god, from intelligent life from another planet that itself evolved. So all they've done is they've taken the problem of where we came from and moved it to another planet. Now we have to go and figure out how those guys evolved, and, and the question remains, where did life come from for them at first? And so what's unrealistic is to say that something came from nothing. The most rational thought that we have about our existence is that there is a supernatural, personal, and intelligent creator who set everything into motion. So we, 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 when we struggle to believe that he can heal, 
or create supernaturally. Like when Jesus was in the synagogue and there was a man who had a withered hand and Jesus said, put that hand out. And the hand was, was healed and, and became whole. I have some friends uh, that have a church in Jakarta, Indonesia, and, um, and they went out on the street just praying for people. And uh, in, in the, one of the subway stations there, they found a man who had no hand and prayed for him. And a creative miracle took place where a new hand grow out, grew out where there was no hand before. They see incredible miracles in those areas in Indonesia. Um, and, and people raised from the dead. They had one uh, home cell or connect group that was meeting and uh, in one part of Indonesia, it's the head training ground of Al-Qaeda. Um, and so it's actually a lot of, of militant activity in that area. And they interrupted one of these groups. And one of the guys tried to run away. And they hit him in the back of the head with a panga um, and, and severed his spinal cord. And he fell down dead into a ditch as he was fleeing. Fell down by the side of the road, dead in that ditch. And all of his uh, spinal cord, all of the fluid leaked out. I mean, he was as dead as, he, as you can be. And they picked him up along with the other bodies of the people that were killed, uh, you know, in that, in that, uh, in that moment. And they, they, they loaded them up onto a van, took them all uh, over to uh, the coroner, and he was, they just stitched up the back of his neck. Did nothing, no surgery, just stitched up the back of his neck. And, um, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, he sat up on the table. Where all of that, all of those, uh, those connections on the back of his neck, his spinal cord completely severed, all of a sudden, he was back from the dead. And he is currently, he was a young guy when this happened, he's currently still on staff at Abba Love Church in Indonesia. He's on staff as an evangelist because he was dead and God, and we hear that kind of stuff and we think, well, that kind of stuff can't happen. Surely it cannot happen. But the world exists. The entire premise is supernatural. If, if you believe that God is God and that he is the creator, then you must believe that he can do supernatural things right now in this moment. It's the same thing. Otherwise, we're just being disingenuous. He can raise the dead. He can overturn an impossible situation. You might be facing one right now. The same God who spoke the universe into being can work on your behalf in that situation. We simply need to recognize it and believe it. So it's disingenuous for us to, disingenuous for us to say that we believe in God, but not in miracles. That we believe in creation and in the creator but not in supernatural activity as God directs it. C.S. Lewis said this. He said he wrote a book called Miracles, and C.S. Lewis, as we know, uh, was uh, on staff at, at Oxford University and, and uh, one of the greatest intellectuals of his time. He wrote many different books, including Mere Christianity, which is really his uh, uh, understanding of Christianity and, and why it's true. He was a staunch atheist himself and an, um, an academic before he came to faith in Christ, um, and then he wrote a book about miracles because he was a rational professor um, who, who um, taught um, within the academy and within academia. And he then writes this. He says, miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. In other words, what I'm trying to say this morning as way of introduction is all of creation, everything that you see out here, including your own life, is already a miracle. So you might as well believe in the smaller miracles. You might as well believe in God raising somebody from the dead. You might as well believe in God healing somebody that uh, has been diagnosed with a terminal illness. 
you might as well believe that God can turn your situation around, that he can provide for you supernaturally, that he can do things beyond the natural. You might as well believe it because you're here today. He's already displayed his greatest miracle in terms of, of creating all things. So last week we spoke about the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person, that he's not just a force, that he's not just a power, that he's not just some mystical energy, but he is a person that has a will and a mind and emotions, just like the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is a person with a will, a mind, and with emotions, that he is both sovereign and relational. He's sovereign in terms of what, how he executes his will, but he's also relational in how he longs to connect with us and to develop intimacy with us and to speak to us and to guide us and to, and to, and to lead us and to love us. He makes the love of God known to us. He, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we experience God's love and God's goodness and God's grace through the Holy Spirit, and he has those emotions towards us because he is a person. And today, we're going to look at the power of the Holy Spirit. We looked at the person of the Holy Spirit. Today, we're looking at the power of the Holy Spirit. And first of all, we know that the Holy Spirit is omnipotent, which means he's not just powerful, but he's all-powerful. He has unlimited power. There is no end to his power or to his ability. And everything that exists, everything that has any form of life or any form of power or any form of energy in this life and in this world only has it because it was allotted to them by the Holy Spirit. If we have any kind of energy and life within us today, it's because the Holy Spirit put it there and ordained for it to be there as he is the creator, as he created all things. The oceans, the stars, every creature on earth, including every single human being, would have absolutely no power unless it was delegated to us by God, unless it was delegated by God himself. So God is power, he is love, he is all of his characteristics, and he delegates and, 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 and gives authority to us within a sphere of influence to exercise the power that he has given us. And, he, and we function in, in that regard. God gives us power. He has power unlike anything that we can fathom. It's difficult really to, to put into, uh, you know, into real terms the power that God has. If only we believed a little bit more, if only we could get a little bit more of a view or a picture of exactly how powerful he is, we would worry a whole lot less, especially if we, in combination with that, understood his love. When we understand his love and his power, we know that we're safe. His heart towards us and his power for, that is available to us. Paul prays for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 1. He says, I, I'm praying that your, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would know the power that is at work within you and within those who believe. God wants us to know how powerful he is. Incredibly powerful. I remember being um, at a at a bride, actually 
uh, Will and Nungi were over at my house, and we were having a braai, and it was a summer afternoon. You know when you do one of those late summer afternoon braais, like currently, we're currently doing those, like get your braais in, people, because um, soon it's going to be cold, and for some reason, then braais just become a little bit more difficult. Um, but we, it was one of the, uh, these late summer braais, and I was sitting with Will and Nungi, and we were sitting outside uh, by my braai on the little patio, and right next to us, there's a building that's like a double-story building, and the corner of that building juts out towards the patio where we were sitting, and uh, there was a storm kind of forming, but it hadn't started raining yet, and we were sitting there brying, and all of a sudden, a lightning strike hit the corner of the building, literally just maybe 20 meters above our heads. The lightning hit right there, and it hit so hard that it completely disintegrated the corner of that building where there was bricks just flying everywhere, and we were standing there. We were literally within meters of the falling bricks that came down around us as this lightning strike, and I'm telling you, we were all kinds of religious after that. We were all kinds of holy and all kinds of, you know, we were just worshipful and grateful and thankful and and uh, wanting to meet, we, we, we're glad that we hadn't met our creator in that moment um, physically. But, but uh, all of a sudden, you get a little bit, a little bit of perspective. If that's just a lightning bolt that he created, if that's just the, uh, I'll look at the scripture now in Job that says, we've only heard a whisper of his power. Who can understand the thunder of his might? Just something like that, or if you've been swept away by the ocean, if you've been swimming in the sea and, and you weren't facing the waves and a wave hit you from behind, the absolute force that you felt, yet God is the one that told the ocean that it should go unto here and no further. He is the one who, who sets the boundaries for the ocean. It's just very, very difficult, no matter how much I speak, for us to understand the incredible power of God. We are so far from genuinely understanding this. But one thing I was certain in that moment, almost being struck by lightning, is that I would not want to face the wrath of God. If that's just a lightning bolt that came down near me, imagine standing before God, before the, the, the judgment seat, and being judged for your sin. And I was, I was all of a sudden super grateful for Jesus that I don't need to stand before that judgment throne, that I don't need to be judged for my sins because Jesus was already judged. He already took that punishment upon himself. I couldn't imagine the force that we would, we would have to face. So the more we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, the more we'll be able to shift our perspective from a natural one to a supernatural one. Come on, let's be honest. How many of us have just kind of for all intents and purposes, discredited the idea that God could do some, something supernatural. But yeah, I think he could maybe, he might be able to, but I've kind of given up on that thought. I don't know if he can really turn the situation around. I don't know if those scriptures are really being interpreted correctly. But when you understand the power of the Holy Spirit and the heart of God, you can have, go from having a natural perspective to a supernatural one. And trust God, in even the most impossible situations. Because in a moment, he can do anything. All things can change in a second for him. And also what happens when you begin to understand the power of the Holy Spirit, like the power of that lightning bolt, if the power of that lightning bolt, imagine being able to capture the power of that lightning bolt striking the building and then putting it inside yourself within your own spirit. Now, we don't just have the power of a lightning bolt on the inside of us. We have the power of the one who commands the lightning to strike, and it hits its mark. 
but yet we see ourselves as so weak, and we are in the flesh, but we aren't in Christ. In Christ, when we have the, the full capacity and power and, and unction of the Holy Spirit within us, why would we sell ourselves short? Why would we undermine or, or undervalue just the great power that is? Why would we say stuff like, I'll never change, if that power is at work? Why would we say stuff like, God can't use me? Why would we do things like, I could never, I could never achieve that, I could never do that, when it is His power at work? I agree that in our own strength, we couldn't achieve anything. We, we, we're not good for much without His power but being energized by the Holy Spirit. What is impossible? What could be impossible to us? We are supernatural people capable of, of far more than just human endeavor because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live supernatural lives. And as Christians, the supernatural should be our natural. We are naturally supernatural because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus made a promise to his followers, and uh, as he was ascending, just before he ascended into heaven, he said to them that he has got a mission for them to fulfill, but before they fulfill that mission, they need to wait in Jerusalem, and he says this in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That word power there in Acts 1 verse 8 is the Greek word dunamis, which literally is where we get our word for dynamite from. It's an explosive power. It's, it's an incredibly uh, active power that is at work. And you will receive power because God has called us to be his witnesses. In other words, people should look at us like they looked at the disciples later on and they realized these men and these women aren't operating by human strength. Clearly, there is something supernatural happening on the inside of them. The way they relate, the way they believe, the way they overcome, the way they walk, the way they pray, the way they worship, the way they do things in their everyday lives, there is something powerful about these people. Dunamis power, a power that is felt, a power that brings about change. It's an explosive power, and it also carries with it this idea of an inherent ability to act. In other words, we don't just have power to show people how powerful God is, but we have this power in order to do what God has called us to do. So don't ever say, I, can't, I don't have what it takes to do what God has called me to do. You do have what it takes. It's within you already. You just need to recognize it and walk in it, because it is through God's power that we can do all things. 2 Corinthians 2.4 basically says this. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. So we are jars of clay. We are earthen vessels. We are weak. We are flawed. We are cracked. We are broken. But we have this immense treasure within us, this life, this gospel, this supernatural power within us that is all-surpassing power. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and is not from us. You see, so as broken and as fragile and as weak as we might be, God adds His power, His ability, His Spirit to us 
And we are able to do things that is all surpassing in its power that we should never have been able to do. So people should look at us and go, surely God is at work because I know that guy and he could definitely not pull that off, right? That's the, that's the kind of lives that we live, far bigger than anything that we could have dreamed about. Charles Spurgeon speaks about God's power and the power of the Holy Spirit, and he says, power is the special and distinct prerogative of God and God alone. Power belongs to God, God is God, and power belongs to him. If he delegates a portion of it to his creatures, yet it, is still, it still is his power. So we have delegated power, delegated authority as the church that God has given us, and it's by his prerogative. By his prerogative, we were created and the universe was created, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, all things that were made were made, and his omnipotence is on display. His omnipotence is on display, and it is on display through our lives. God wants us as the church to be a, a showpiece of his power, of his love, of his character, of his nature. That's why he fills us and transforms us so that we can look like him and act in the power that he would act. So I want to just quickly look at how God's omnipotence is on display. Number one, his omnipotence is on display through his creative works. Number one, his creative works. The power of the Holy Spirit is on display through his creative works. Job 26 verse 13 says, by his spirit, he adorned the heavens. By his spirit, he adorned the heavens. His hand formed the crooked serpent, which is a, a constellation in the stars. Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways. The stars that you see in the sky, the, you just think about the power that it must have taken to create something like the sun, and the sun is a small star. We've all seen the videos that show us the scale of the stars and of the galaxies of the universe. It's unfathomable to us, the size of our universe. It's infinite. And yet, this is just the mere edge of his power. That's just a little bit of what God can do. And how small a whisper we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? If the stars are just the mere edge of his ways. Every star and galaxy and celestial body that was created was created by the Holy Spirit. And the writer of Job here mentions one particular constellation called the Crooked Serpent, which is pointed out as his handiwork. It speaks about how he loosens the cords of Orion and binds the beautiful Pleiades, all these constellations in the stars. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how powerful he is. By his power, he made all the stars that shine in heaven. I remember being on holiday, and I enjoy doing photography uh, as a hobby, especially if I'm on holiday, I finally get to get to my camera and walk around and take some photos. And at one time, I was on holiday down in the coast, and uh, it was late at night, and I wanted to do some night photography. I had a tripod, and if you set it up, and you open up the shutter, and you do a long exposure, you can get the clouds moving and the waves rolling, and you can kind of get this blur motion, and you can also uh, just highlight the stars, the stars that you wouldn't just see with the naked eye because you need a longer exposure to see all of those. And as I was walking along, um, I actually, I was walking along the caravan park, and it was packed with people. Uh, it gets booked out three years in advance, so the entire caravan park was, was just packed with holiday goers, and I was walking along this small road that takes you to the river uh, along the caravan park, and I heard this buzzing sound, 
and, uh, and I realized that the, the electricity um, that was leading into the caravan park was so overloaded that those little transformers um, were buzzing, and when I looked up, I could see this purple ring of electricity, and so I set my tripod up in order to, uh, and my camera up in order to get a photo of this, this uh, luminous purple ring of electricity, um, and I could hear it, and I thought maybe uh, it'll catch fire, and that'll be even a better photo, and I can send it to newspapers, um, but but I was like, this thing is overloaded. I gotta get a photo here. But when I then put the photo into my computer and I looked at it, I realized that there was something far more glorious and spectacular than the little bit of human energy that was rolling. And this is what I saw. That's the photo that I took. You can hardly see those purple rings from the caravan park because it's completely outshone by the constellations that God created. Just, just try and count those stars. Just try and count them, even just the ones in that photograph, which was one small portion of the sky. Every single one of those was created by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and this is such a great illustration of our human power. Wow, it's so amazing. We have a little bit of like a purple ring of power that we created. Even though we didn't even create it, we just captured it and sent it through a cable but look at the power of God on display. It's far greater than anything we can imagine. He, he is the one who loosens the cords of Orion and who binds the beautiful Pleiades. He is the one who created and, and, and holds together the constellations in the heavens. I remember having an argument with somebody once um, around the size of the universe and them saying to me, well, they just, they just think that there must be intelligent life somewhere out in the universe, because why would the universe be so large? And I was like, well, we're still trying to actually, you know, find intelligent life here on earth sometimes, I feel like, but, <laughs> but besides for that, I'll tell you why I'll, I believe that the universe is as infinite and as spectacular as it is. I told him Psalm 19 verse 1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day, pours, day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. In other words, the skies reveal the creative power of God and the Holy Spirit. It's a testimony. It displays his glory. Why is it infinite? How else would you display God's glory? Do you think you could display the infinite glory of God in a finite? You can't. And so it's something far greater, and that's why I believe it is so large. It's about the power and the glory of our Creator. Psalm 109, 29 says, When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. But when you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. You see, not only is the power of the Holy Spirit, not only was it the power of the Holy Spirit that set everything into motion, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that sustains everything in this life. If God removed his breath from the plants outside these windows right now, all of them would instantly wither and die. If he took his breath away from us, all of us would instantly wither and die. It is only by his power that we remain alive, the power of the Holy Spirit. We see in creation that God we, we covered this scripture last week, but in, in Genesis 1 verse 2, 
It says that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and then God spoke and the Holy Spirit acted on God's word and, uh, and, and, and formed all things that the Father had commanded. If we had seen the earth before it had been formed, empty and void, full of darkness and full of confusion, it's just, it's just a mess, it's just, uh, just waters. We would have looked at that situation and said to ourselves, who could create a world out of this? Who could take this confusion and this darkness and this void and this emptiness and bring about a world and a galaxy and a universe such as ours? And the answer is the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit can create. The Holy Spirit can make all things come together. The Holy Spirit can bring order to confusion. How is this relevant to our lives? How many times have you faced a situation that has seemed impossible? Where you stood in front of that situation and looked at it and thought, this is just empty. This is just void. There's no life here. There's chaos here. It's darkness. It's confusing. It's chaotic. Who could make something out of this situation? Who could make something out of my life? The answer is, the Holy Spirit can. If he could cause the earth to be formed and for the oceans to be separated and for the sun to come about and for the, the stars to be set in the sky, if he could create that out of something that was formless and void, how much more could he do in your life? Don't look at your situation and think, God can't work with this. He works with nothing and creates something because he has creative power and displays his omnipotence in that. Number two, his resurrection power. So not only does he have creative works, but he has resurrection power. Not only does he create, but he recreates. He doesn't only animate, but he reanimates. He raises to life. He extends lives, and he resurrects. It doesn't matter how much power we claim to have here on earth. People claim to be powerful on earth, um, and they say they have uh, financial power or political power or or corporate sway, but you can have as much of that as you want to have, you're still not more powerful than death. People have paid all the money that they can to try and avoid death and try and overcome death, but ultimately only they're just, they're just prolonging the process a little bit before they die. No matter how much money or power you think you have in this earth, you cannot overcome death in your own strength. Death, therefore, is powerful over mankind. When you die, you cannot pay your way back to life. doesn't matter how much money you had before. You can't use your political connections to come back into this world. Death is, is final in the human sense. It's only the giver of life who can choose to resurrect, who can give life back, who can raise us to life. And it's by his power, the scriptures tell us, that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Jesus died, but the actual power that raised his body was the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing something that was dead back to life. It was the power of the Holy Spirit by which the body of Jesus was raised from the grave after having laid there for three days and three nights. And, I, and, and, I, and we see this in the Scriptures. 1 Peter 3 verse 18 says, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. 
He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Romans 8, 11 says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. So Jesus was raised by the Holy Spirit, and, and, uh, and this was a resurrective or a resurrection miracle done by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love what Charles Spurgeon says about this. He says, if you could have stepped as angels did into the grave of Jesus and seen his dead body, you would have found it as cold as any other corpse. Lift up the hand, it falls by the side. Look at the eye, it is glazed. There the gash in his side, which was to ensure that all life is destroyed. See his hands, the blood does not drip from them. They are cold and motionless. Can that body live? Can that body live? Can it rise up again? Yes. It can and will be an illustration of the power of the Holy Spirit. For when the power of the Holy Spirit came on Jesus, as it was when it fell on the dry bones in the valley of Ezekiel, he arose in the majesty of his divinity and bright and shining astonished the gods so that they ran away. Yes, he arose no more to die, but to live forever, king of kings and prince of the kings of the earth. If you, took, if you walked into that grave where Jesus was lying dead, and you picked up that hand, it would just drop by the side. You looked at the eye, he was gone. No more blood even running from, from the gashes in his, and the wounds in his body. And you would have looked at that body and said, how can this dead man live? It can, by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was raised. And in the same way that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, you are made alive. You are made alive. I was driving on Friday night, and I stopped at a robot, and um, all of a sudden, I was actually talking on the phone, and all of a sudden, somebody just bashed right into the back of me, um, and there was a guy that, uh, there were some eyewitnesses, he was completely drunk, um, he had hit the curb a couple times, didn't even touch the brakes before he drove right into the back of my car, um, I, I got out, I walked over to him, he was sitting there, I asked him if he was okay, I asked him, I could smell the alcohol on his breath as he sat there, I asked him if he knew what had happened, and he said, yes, he just stopped too quickly, uh, he didn't even know, he then asked me where I was parked, I was like, right in front of you, your car's still touching mine. And, he's, and he, just, he was just completely out of it, and he just sat there, and I asked him if he has somebody that I could phone, because he thought, he said, no, no, he's fine, he's fine, he'll just, he just lives close by, he'll just quickly go home, or he'll just sit by the side of the road for an hour. I asked him if he had, had anything to drink, he said, maybe a glass of wine, I thought it was probably more than that, um, and, uh, and he sat there, and um, I asked him if he had anybody I could call, if he had family, and he said, he doesn't have family, he doesn't have anybody who could call. He doesn't have anybody who could help him. He, he walked to the front of his car. The entire front of his car was bashed up badly. You know, the whole grill was gone and there's just stuff leaking out on the ground. He was like, no, I'll, I'll fix it myself, he said. Um, he, he, he nearly, getting out of the car, stumbled into traffic. He was really, really out of it. And you would look at a person like that, and I was tempted in a moment like that to look at this person's life and think, what, 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 what could come from this man's life? I eventually got a hold of somebody who knew him that was on his phone. I took his phone and I phoned somebody and they said that this has been his problem for nine years. He's been arrested for it before. He is an alcoholic. 
and he struggles with it. And the next day she phoned me again to ask what had happened because apparently they couldn't find him. But when, when they phoned his phone, they could hear he was drinking again. And you hear about a situation like that and we are tempted as people to go, nothing can come of that. Nothing can come of that life. It's just destined for, to be continually wrecked. But the Holy Spirit can. If the Holy Spirit gets a hold of that man's life, and I thought to myself in a couple of days' time, I'll get hold of him again, and I'll invite him to church, and hopefully he can come. Because if the Holy Spirit gets a hold of that life, he can call forth life from death. Doesn't matter how dead, the power of the Holy Spirit is greater. We believe that. Nobody is beyond the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we become alive in the Holy Spirit, we're not just barely alive. We're not just barely holding on. But Jesus said, I will give you life and life abundantly. We become, we become alive abundantly where every fiber in our bodies and every synapse and every cell of our being fires with the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. That is your life. That is who you are because we are spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. Even your mortal body is filled with his power and energized by the same power that set the stars in the sky. So the life that we now live as Christians, we live exclusively by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the sooner we can let go of our own illusions of human power and rely completely on his supernatural power, the sooner we will experience that power at work in and through our lives. So he does resurrection works. He has resurrection power. Number three, through signs and wonders. Through signs and wonders. How does God put his omnipotence on display? Through signs and wonders. Miraculous occurrences, known as, also known as testimony works. If you think about that word, a sign, it comes from the word signature. Have you ever wanted a signature from somebody famous? Have you ever wanted to go and get somebody's signature? I remember when I was younger, I had a South African flag, and I was determined to get as many South African or international athlete signatures on that flag as I possibly could. And so I went to all the sporting events, and I was that kid, not like the one who recently stood next to Wanderers with, a, with some sandpaper for the guys to sign. But, but better than that, I had a South African flag, and I stood there, and I wanted signatures, and I remember South Africa was actually playing against Australia at that time, back in the days when Ian Healy was still wiki, wiki keeper for, for, uh, for the Australian team. Some of you don't even know who that is. Um, and I remember I went, and one of the batsmen, I can't remember exactly who it was, but one of the top batsmen uh, was out at the change rooms, and I went over to him, and, and I don't know if you've ever tried to make small talk with like a really famous person that's like five times your age, but I tried, and I was like, oh, so where are you from? And he was like, from from Queensland, and I was like, oh, and the only thing I knew about Queensland, I knew two things, it was in Australia, and I know they had a rugby team, and I was, I was like, and I think that year, they were the worst team uh, in the Super 10 at that time, but I was like, oh, you guys have got a good uh, rugby team there, hey, and he was like, yeah, not bad, you know, and, and, uh, and I just trying to make small talk, but the point was, is that I wanted his signature on my flag, because I wanted proof that I had encountered him. If you ever thought about it, why do we get people's signatures? Because it's something, it's their handwriting. It's their handiwork. It's something that shows that they were there and that they were involved, that I have met this person, encountered them personally. And in the same way, when God puts his signatures, his signs, his wonders, his miracles, it's like an autograph of his involvement. When somebody comes to church and they get supernaturally healed, God was there. 
When somebody goes from not believing in Jesus to having their hearts changed and believing in Jesus, we know that God was there because his autograph, his handwriting is all over it. We can't deny, we, can't, we can no longer doubt his presence. His handwriting is on our natural circumstances. When he suspends the natural order to do something supernatural, we know it can only be God. I remember the first time I prayed for young people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was at school, I was about 16 or 17 years old, and I wrote this course, and on the Sunday, because uh, I did it over the weekend, um, I had about 30 or 40, it was about 35 to 40 uh, of my classmates that had come to hear about the Holy Spirit, and I spent the morning three hours teaching them all about the Holy Spirit. And then I told them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and I believe uh, many of them had only gotten saved the day before. They had not grown up in church or been in very traditional churches. This was all new to them. They didn't know, you know, um, you go to churches that, that uh, you know, are Pentecostal churches or charismatic churches, and you'll find that sometimes there's a culture of people falling over. Have you seen that? Like, people will fall over, and, and, uh, and sometimes, like, just everybody falls over um, when the pastor prays for them, and, and if they don't, he might push them over a little bit, and... Um, a lot of times the people are just like very kind. We call them courtesy falls, you know, and the guy prays for you and you think he's doing such a good job. I'm going to help him. Okay, here we go. You know, we just do a quick courtesy fall to help him feel better. And I said to myself, I don't ever want to be involved. I believe that God will move powerfully. That people can fall over. People can cry. People can respond to the Holy Spirit physically, but I don't want to manufacture anything. If I'm going to do something and if God's going to do something through my life, it must be authentic. I don't want it to be man-made. And I remember standing outside of that classroom, we took, we took a quick break before I prayed for everybody in that class. And remember, these are kids, high school kids, they didn't know anything about falling over or about the power of the Holy Spirit. They had only heard about him for the first time that morning. And I, and, and I stood outside and I was worried that I was going to go in there and pray and nothing was going to happen. <laughs> it was my first time. And I went in there and I said, okay, God, I actually remember saying this prayer. I say, there's two things I remember, this prayer and the fact that I was wearing a vest with no sleeves, which doesn't make sense. But, but I stood out there and I said, okay, God, if this doesn't work, they're not going to disbelieve me. They're going to disbelieve you. So I leave this in your hands. You do what you need to do. And I went inside and I took a little hi-fi from home and there was a song, a CD that I had gotten um, uh, called any, any, any Given Sunday, I think it was, and I put it in there and I pressed play. And, uh, and there was a song called The Spirit of the Living God. And this song just started playing over and over. I told the, the, these classmates of mine just to spread out all over the classroom and uh, just to close their eyes and just to pray and just to let the Holy Spirit speak to them. And as I did that, uh, even though many of them had never even experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit, almost instantly all of them were in tears. People that only got saved yesterday, that only heard about the Spirit this morning, all of a sudden you could see the Holy Spirit is at work. And I started going over at random, not in a queue. They were spread out all over the class. I started going around and laying my hands on praying for them. And some of them started falling over or instantly speaking in tongues and being able to express this heavenly prayer language, this gift of God. And, and I was amazed by all of it. And then something happened, which hasn't happened in my life since then, but it was like God was showing me that he is authentic, that his power is real, and that he can do all things. And I walked up to some, some of those kids, and they had their eyes closed with their, with their hands lifted up as they were just praying and just connecting with God. And what started happening is that as I walked over to lay my hands on people, they fell over before I got to them and began to speak in, in, in tongues. Now that sounds, for some of you, that would put you outside your comfort zone hearing something like that. 
But remember, the entire premise of this existence that we have is supernatural. And it just carried on happening. And uh, my teacher, Belinda, who was here two weeks ago at our birthday, sat in the front row. She was there. She witnessed this. You can go and ask her. And God started moving. And I went out there, and that was the day that I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into full-time ministry. This is I, the feeling I had seeing God work in people's lives that two days ago didn't even know that he existed. I walked out that day and I said, this is all I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to see people experience his power. I want to see people experience his love. I want to see people filled with his Holy Spirit. It's what God does. He puts his signature. I'm here. You've encountered me. You can experience my love. You can experience my grace. We see it in the life of Jesus. When he was on earth, so many miracles were done. He fed the 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and some fish. He walked on water. He raised more than one person from the dead. He cast demons out of people, and he healed the sick that were brought to him. Because that's the power of God. How did Jesus do all of those things? In Acts 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed, which means to put his power on, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How did Jesus do those miracles? Remember, as a human being on earth, he had laid down his rights as God, and when Jesus was on earth, he only operated by the power of the Spirit. That's how he did those miracles. Luke 4, 18, Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. God's Holy Spirit, because he has anointed me, empowered me to proclaim good news to the poor. And here's the important bit for us today. He does the same in the life of his church, because we are the body of Christ. It's still the same Jesus. Why wouldn't it still be the same Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't it still be the same power at work? Why wouldn't he still be active, as pa- active and as powerful as ever? We see that in the early church, the Holy Spirit was poured out with power. There was the sound of a rushing wind and tongues of fire that rested on each of them. And they had the ability to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was miraculous works produced amongst them. Miracles happening all the time. But we've discounted the power of the Holy Spirit and His presence in our day and age, in our westernized society. Hey, I I remember writing a blog once which ended with, um, welcome, Alice. You know, the world is supernatural. (laughs) Like Alice in Wonderland, you don't know how deep this is. The entire world is supernatural, and you're a part of it. The power of the Holy Spirit. It's what led Paul to say in Romans 15, 18, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. He uses that to testify. It's testimony works of his power and of his goodness. When we read in Hebrews 1 about how God sent his son, Jesus, it says, and this was testified to, that this was the son of God by the works and the miraculous things that he did. So it's a testimony. So you can trust God in your life for supernatural answers to your prayers. Maybe that's a switch that you need to switch on again. Maybe you've been, you know, sometimes when we're new Christians, we believe in that. And then as we go on our theological journeys, we switch the switch off at some point. 
Maybe you need to switch that switch back on in terms of your expectation of what God can do through your prayers, his signs and wonders through his church in your personal life. For God, it ain't a thing. (laughs) Some of you might not be familiar with that saying. It ain't a thing means it's no big deal. God can do it. Through him, all things are possible. So the Holy Spirit shows his omnipotence through works of creation, in resurrection, and in signs and wonders. And finally, and I'm gonna end on this this morning, and perhaps the most unbelievable to us, yet no less power, no less powerful, is the glo- in terms of being a glory-filled expression of his greatness, is the power of transformation, or his transformative power. So he can create, he can resurrect, he can do miracles, and he can transform your life. He can transform your life. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, the image of Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Your transformation as a person doesn't come from your self-help. It doesn't come from your, your own uh, efforts in terms of uh, modifying your behavior. This is not behavioral modification. This is a supernatural process whereby you put your faith in Jesus, you fix your eyes on him, you behold him, and as you behold him, the Holy Spirit is at work within you. He's at work. Things are changing every day inside of you as you continue to trust in God. He is is changing you from the inside out. You might look at yourself and think, I've tried for so many years to change myself. I'll never change. I can imagine phoning up the guy who drove into the back of me who's been an alcoholic apparently for nine years and saying to him, your life can change. And him saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to disappoint you, but I've tried. I'm sorry, my life is beyond that ability. You might be looking at your own life and saying, who would be able to, who would have the power to change a person like me? Who would be able to help me overcome the issues that I have The answer, the Holy Spirit can do. The Holy Spirit can cause you to change. If there are addictions that you have been struggling with, stop telling yourself that you cannot overcome because by the grace of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit, you have more power than you would ever need to see change in your life. Take a hold of it. Walk in it. Grow in it. Allow it to work through your life. Allow God to accomplish His will. The Holy Spirit will change your life. This is the power of God's Spirit. Rather than doubting His presence, let's embrace it, let's believe for it, and let's allow God to move powerfully in our lives and in our community. He is the creator. He is the one who resurrects. He is the one who does miracles amongst us, and He is the one who transforms our lives. Amen? That's the power of the Holy Spirit.